At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. God is good, yes? He is good and faithful to us. So we're in a series last week and today and on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, um, entitled, From Life to Death to life. Last week we talked about the life of Jesus before his death and burial and his resurrection. And um, today we're going to talk about the death he died and why he had to die this death and what the scriptures say about it. Because it's amazing to me how that the scriptures continually fit like a puzzle to say certain things that we just think we know about. But the Scriptures, when they come together, explain to us what it really means. People that say, well, yeah, we know Jesus died. And if you ask most people why, well, you know, for my sins. Well, He did. Uh, He died so I wouldn't have to go to hell. He did. And if that's all there was, that'd be a good thing. But there's so much more to it. And understanding it in this life is what's so vital. And so today we're going to just jump into it and look at why he had to die this certain kind of death. Um, Last week we talked about his life and where all of that came from. And if you didn't, if you weren't here... um, even if you were here, I'd encourage you to go and uh, re-listen to the message anyway, because it will help you to understand how today's message fits into that, this, this whole um, little scenario of his life, his death, back to life. And um, no one ever on planet Earth has ever lived, died, and lived and continue to live. Some people have been raised from the dead, but then they died again. So they went from life to death to life to death. He went from life to death to life forever. Amen? For you and I, so that we can live forever. Glory to God. Um, In Romans chapter 5, and I want to read this and then I want to talk to you about something before I continue. It'll fit with my message, but I want to talk to you about a specific thing. So today I want to start in Romans chapter 5 and starting with verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die or possibly die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, what He's saying is if there was 
especially some recognizable person, some great person that did all these great deeds. And for them to live, you would have to give your life for them, possibly. And somebody that's not maybe all that great, but still did a good thing and a good deed, you know, maybe we might lay our lives down. But I have to say in those two cases right there, with most people, probably not. Probably not because we love our lives too much. But he died for us in all of our trash, in all of our ungodliness, in all of our mistakes, in all the things that are not right. He died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Praise God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, everybody say much more. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He died for you and I in spite of us. He died for you and I, the, 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 the decision for his death and for his sacrifice was made before any of us were even created. Before the foundation of the world, his plan of redemption was set in motion. You and I have to understand that. You, you, you can't just kind of think you understand that you've got to understand it because ultimately if you read this whole passage and that's all I'm reading out of this chapter right here but if you go back and read the whole thing what he wants is for you to live now like he really did what I just read one of the things that I've noticed and especially in the last few years, I've spent a lot of time taking mental notes of, from people, not people that are not saved, but people that are saved, that are born again, and still talk like they're not. Been making a lot of mental notes and asking God, why, why do people... Why does this revelation of God's word not become real to people? And continually, I feel like God shows me, and and when I'm saying it, I'm, I'm not judging other people. I judge what they say. Did you hear me? I, I don't, I'm not judging people, say, you know, like judging them against, you know, what I say I believe, I'm judging what they're saying. I'm judging what people are actually saying and doing. And one of the things that God keeps saying to me is found in this passage right here, they don't realize what I really did for them. What produced for you and I was love. 
What produced for you and I was unselfishness. And what he's wanting is for that love to take over your and my life to the point that we begin to live and we live the rest of our lives out in this life in total unselfishness. Not thinking about us, but thinking about him and thinking about what he did for us. To understand that and to live that way will change the way that you talk. When you know that he's healed you and delivered you and set you free, that's the way you'll talk. As you begin to know that, as it becomes a part of you. Last night in the evening, our great friend Dan Weinheimer left here. And he's in heaven today on Palm Sunday. He's worshiping, uh, I don't know who the praise and worship leader is, <laughs> but uh, he's worshiping in heaven today. And uh, about five years ago, well, probably maybe... 12 or so years ago, his wife Sandy came into this congregation, started, I don't remember how many years, it's been a a while, and uh, she came and worshiped here for years without Dan. And one Sunday morning, I would say probably in the neighborhood of five years ago, she walked in with this big tall guy. And he never left. And I can't tell you how much that I appreciated just him as a person. His honesty and, and the things that he had been through in his life and the things that he would talk to me about, you know, after messages that he heard preached and how he would say to me, he said, I, you know, I just, I just never knew. I just never knew. I never knew what I was missing. I never knew what, was, what, what truth was really about. He said, I, I just never knew it. And he would tell me time and time and time again, he would tell me. And I knew what he meant when he said it, but he said this. He said, you've saved my life. Time and time again, he would tell me, I I would not be here if it wasn't for you. And you know what he was meaning, what I preached. The word, the truth. What he was saying was, without the truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus did, I wouldn't be here today. And I know that's true. And... The thing that I told Sandy and that I'm so encouraged about is that a person that wasn't saved, got saved, had no revelation of the Word, began to develop the revelation of the Word, 
And last night when he stepped over to the other side, it wasn't a shock to him. Because there, they're just continuing in this. Did you hear what I said? They're, they're just continuing. And I feel like I can see him so excited about what, what, what he's learned. I mean, just, just in the last 12 hours, what he's learned up there and how it relates to this because it's God's Word. And it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It'll never end. It never ends. And we're alive for eternity. We're alive for eternity. We continue on. There's no end to our lives. Did you hear what I said? He didn't come to the end of something. He just stepped over into something new. Amen? Man, will we miss him. We'll miss him here. But we're with him forever. And I'm just telling you that God is really happy with Dan today. He's really happy and overjoyed. And people say, well, yeah, but, but, but he, didn't, he didn't receive his healing. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he's, he's healed. And there's no nothing. Yeah, but he didn't receive his healing. Yeah, but you, you, need to, you need to download that and you need to save that and you talk to God about that over there. Did you hear what I said? Because... It doesn't change the word. No matter what anybody else does, it doesn't change the word. But it doesn't change the fact that that person is in eternity forever. He was here, but he is there now in full force. Face to face. Amen? And you and I cannot allow the outcome of something that we wanted differently, you can't allow that to affect your faith. And I'll say that to the end. If you're here in 10 years from now and someone is passed over to the other side, everybody say, everybody's leaving here. Okay? So if someone else is passed over to the other side in 10 years from now, I'll say the exact same thing with even more passion. Because it's true. But I just want to acknowledge today that Dan Weinheimer is born again, he's in heaven, and there's no more pain, no more nothing that he's dealing with or walking through. Can you say amen? Give God praise for that in Jesus' name. This is what he died for. This is what Jesus died for. I want to read to you in the book of Isaiah. I want you to just really open your ears to hearing this. I'm going to read the first 10 verses of Isaiah chapter 53. And I want you to hear the will of God for what Jesus went through. It says, verse 1, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed His powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. 
There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was just a common man. We're talking about Jesus. This is, uh, this is Isaiah prophesying many years before this actually happened. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. I think I am. Yes. We, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You see there, that he also, what was laid on him is our selfishness. Our selfishness was laid upon him. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was oppressed and he was treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, And as sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, had the appearance that he had no descendants. Why? Because everybody forsook him. Everybody turned their back on him. Everybody say everybody. Everybody. Watch this. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream at 33. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anybody. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. Watch this. But he was buried like a criminal... He was put in a rich man's grave. It was the Lord's good plan. It was the Lord, the Father's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. It was the Lord's plan to crush him and cause him grief. And that word grief is sicknesses and diseases and oppressions of every kind. It pleased God to crush him you. That was his whole plan. That's the plan in Romans that you and I have to see. That's the plan that we have to understand so that we can give our lives to him. You, you, you can accept him as Savior, but for him to be Lord, the word Lord means the one in control. You can accept Him, you can confess Him and receive Him as Savior of your life, 
but to make him the one in control of your life, the Lord of your life, it has to be a decision that you make day to day. That means to be released from the selfish, ungodly ways of thinking that humanity has and embrace God's way of thinking and serve Him. Saying every day, Lord, no, I choose your way. I choose to do things after your plan and after your pattern. Because the death he died, it was a horrible death. It was a death like no human being ever died. He was all God, but he was all flesh and blood. And he felt and experienced everything that you and I would normally have to experience that we don't have to experience and accept in life if we accept what he did for us. Understanding that day to day is what's vital. I was, uh, again, I've just been doing a lot of surveying. (laughs) And I've just been surveying a lot of testimonies of people. Um, I've been... I've been shocked. I'm not saying this is the norm with everybody and, and, or, or even the majority. I'm just saying there, there are different people that I've read who, because of the difficulties and the tough experiences that they've had in the kingdom of God, their testimonies, I've read testimonies, many testimonies of people, and just in the, I'm, I'm just talking about it like in the last couple of years, of people that have you know, denied their faith, people that have said it's not worth it, people that have said, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure that God is God and Jesus is Jesus, but I'm not sure that, you know, that he's the only God and that there's not other ways to receive the things that you receive. And, and you know, you may be sitting there today and in your thinking, you may think that there is optional ways and that, you know, God is open and he's, you know, he has a plethora of different, you know, avenues to make it to him and to heaven and those kind of things. And if you think that, you don't know him. You don't know the God of this. And that's not real popular today. And, you know, certain people might even hear me say that, you know, and let someone else listen to it, and people might, you know, have an attitude toward me thinking, you know, that I'm very closed off and not open, you know, to the good of all people. Well, the truth is, the things that we're preaching today are for all people, because everybody was created in the image of God. But there's only one way to heaven, there's only one way to the God that we're talking about from the Bible. Um, We've taught many classes um, with people that are a part of recovery programs. And, you know, in recovery programs, uh, a lot of recovery programs, there are, there are a plethora of different ideas of who God is, and you just kind of choose the God that you want. And that's fine. You know, you can do and open that up to whatever. But when we've taught those classes, we start the class out with saying this first, this first and foremost. Tonight, we're talking about the God of the Bible. 
We're not talking about and giving you ideas that there are other ways because the Bible doesn't say that. And if you don't like that, please feel free to leave. You know, we're not trying to pressure you with anything or shove something down your throat or anything. We just can't, here we can't do a 12-step do a recovery program teaching uh, without talking only about the God of the Bible because there's no other God. Can you say amen? See, and, and if somebody's not going to rise up and teach things like that and, and give people all these options and directions to go, then, then people live their lives totally confused. Did you, say what I'm, did you hear what I'm saying? Now, everybody look at me. You're not called to straighten everybody else out. I'm just telling you right now, it's not God, it, God's calling on your life is not to straighten the rest of the world out. Did you hear me? If you, 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 know, you know who you're called to straighten out? You. And if you get right and you learn how to walk in the love of God, that love of God will ooze out of your, the pores of your skin and your life to where it will touch other people and they'll want what you have. That's the way you minister to people. You see, I say this, I've said this to many, 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 many people, you know. And they ask me the question about what I'm talking about right here. And I've said this many times. Well, do you want me to tell you the truth or do you want me to tell you something else? No, I want to hear the truth. And then when they got through hearing the truth, that's not really what they really wanted to hear. And I say, you know what, you shouldn't ask me. Because I'm going to tell you what this has taught me. I'm going to tell you what this has taught me. And i got to stop with that. I, I can't go any farther. And, 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 but if you don't want to hear it, I can still be your friend. Huh? Oh, yeah. I may not be your closest friend, but I'll be your friend. You, you understand? Because you can't stay around me and be around me and not get irritated if you don't want what I have. You'll, you'll end up, if we're around each other all the time, you'll get irritated because of the truth that I walk in. I mean, right? I mean, am I, am I speaking right? Everybody believes the same thing. I mean, I, I believe most of you in here believe the same thing, but we don't have to be, have these attitudes towards people. Just love them. As I've encouraged you many times, you need, a, you need to have a list of people, at least 10 people, that you're just loving, not preaching at. They're not ready for the God that you've been spending all these years learning about. They're not ready for him. Just love them. Just accept them. It's the kindness of God that leads a person to repentance, not you forcing it on their lives. Anyway, just had to throw that in there so you didn't misunderstand what I was saying. <clears throat> right? So, with those two passages read, I want to end with this passage today. And it's found in Matthew 26. Man, one of my favorite passages. So, this is Palm Sunday, and this represents when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem. When, uh, when we were in Israel the first time, um, <laughs> we're, in, we're in a van, and... Uh, there were, I was there with 25 other ministers, and we had this lady, that our tour guide, and she was a, uh, she was, had lived in South Africa for many years, and had moved back to Israel, and her husband was a geologist, and um, she did tours, 
And we just thought she was a messianic Jew because of what she had been telling us. And so when we're in the van and we're driving over, we had been in other parts of, of Israel, and we're driving in the hill and coming to the top of the hill, and, she, and, and all of a sudden she starts playing one of those Jewish songs on, on the thing. And I mean, chills just went over us as we came over the hill into Jerusalem. And uh, she said, this is kind of what Jesus would have been doing when he came into the city. He said, but he wasn't in a van. <laughs> he was on a donkey, right? And, and he rode into the city. Hosanna to the king. Amen? How great is our king? And he came into the city. Well, when he came into the city, part of what he did that week is uh, it was Passover, and so they broke bread, and they took, they took the Passover um, elements and, and communion elements and they had finished with that, and I'm just going to start with verse, 26, uh, verse 36 of, I'm going to start with verse, chapter 26, verse 36, and I'm going to read through verse 46, okay. And so, they're through with Passover, and, and Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. So the 12 probably were with him, maybe 15, maybe 20 of the 82 were there, who knows. But um, he said, sit here while I go and pray over there. But he took Peter and James and John and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. So he's he's... He was in this place, and he said, I'm going to that place, and he took Peter and James and John with him, and he went over, he, he, he stopped about to this place, and now he's telling them, I'm going to that place. So there's a bunch of them over here, and then there's the three, and Jesus stopped here, and, and it says, and he said to them, and he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the death that he died. Last week we talked about his life before this death and everything that he did and the reasons and the purpose behind it. And today we're talking about this death right here. Right here. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And right there, if Jesus didn't have to learn what you and I learn, then he's not the perfect example. Well, you know, and people say this all the time. you got to get rid of this thinking. Well, he was the son of God. No, he wasn't. Not when he came here. He didn't come here to become something he already was. He came to the earth to become the son of man. 
He was the Son of God. He was the Word of God. But He left those to become something for you and I. That's the death He died. He said, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. We just read in Isaiah everything that he took upon himself. Everything that he was beaten and tortured and, and father, it was father's good pleasure. There, he was, father was joyful to crush him. Father was joyful to beat and torture him to the point he was unrecognizable to people. The movie The Passion of the Christ has done the best job ever to me in the history of the time I've been alive of depicting what happened to Jesus, but I don't think it even touched it. Because in the Isaiah passage, it says he was unrecognizable. You could kind of recognize that was Jim Caviezel. But he was unrecognizable, so tortured and beaten. That's what he began to experience right here. He said, but not as I will, but as you will. Then he came from there to here, and they were all sawn logs. It says, he found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, what? What? Could you not watch with me one hour? So he had gone over there, and he was there for an hour, and by the time he gets back, they're asleep. You ever thought about why they were asleep? I mean, I think there's a lot of, probably a number of different reasons, but I'm going to give you one that maybe you've not thought of before. They were asleep because they didn't understand what he understood about what he was fixing to go through. Because he hadn't gone through it yet. And he went through it so that they could persevere. I've heard people say this. Well, you know. Peter, James, and John, they all fell asleep, and they all, you know, didn't, didn't support him and do those kind of things. And, you know, I've had a rough time, and it, no, 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 no. Don't get that excuse. He hadn't paid the price for them yet. It's natural they fell asleep. All the mistakes. I mean, Peter walked on water. Peter walked on water. Anybody ever tried it in a swimming pool? Oh, Father, I believe, I believe it's your will. I believe it's your will this morning at gates of the city for me to step off here. No, I'll either catch myself or, you know, because you're not going to mess with God and play around with it. He walked on water, and he wasn't born again. There was a down payment of the Spirit of God, but it wasn't the totality of what we all have today. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't persevere and press in as he asked. And notice, 
Could you not pray with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. So he's still teaching them. He's going through. He's taking, he's beginning to feel the beginnings of everything that he's taking on himself, everything from you. See, you, you've got to see that it was your crudola. Hmm? you got to see it was your stuff. Not just the whole of the world. It was everybody's. But if you don't see it was your stuff, then you'll fall asleep too. You'll give up also. You'll back off because it's too tough. Well, you know, you, you don't know what all that I've been through. No, I don't. But he does. I, I, I don't, but he does. That's where we got to come to. We got to believe that this death was real. And it was all about what I'm talking about today and so much more. And we've got to receive that so we don't enter into temptation and we don't back off and we stand the test and we walk through things and we get stronger with temptation and we get built up no matter what we face and what comes against us. We get stronger and knowing more stuff's coming. And yet, I'm not bowing my knee and I'm not caving in and I'm not giving up. More stuff's coming. The more you live this life, the more challenges you will have. There's no way around it. If you're going to believe the Word of God, Jesus said, persecution comes for the Word's sake. But He died this death so we could persevere. Watch what he says. Then he said to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, <laughs> he's always talking to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Don't ever forget that. Spirit willing, flesh is weak. But my flesh gets stronger and I have more ability to do it as my spirit man increases. Word level increases, spirit level increases, spirit awareness increases. I have more authority and dominion over my flesh. Again, a second time, he went away and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he said the same thing and he came and he found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples, and he said to them, hmm, you're still sleeping and resting. Behold, behold, the hour is at hand, and this is the point I wanted to make to you today. Remember, Jesus is just like us in the fact that he was all flesh. He came directly from the sperm of the Father, you and I came from the sperm of our fathers. We all came from him. But Jesus came directly from father. We're not like that. But where the flesh is concerned, we're just like him. He's just like us. But he never missed it. We read it. Never made a mistake. Never took an offense. Never gave in to anything. Right? And he said... Behold, the hour is at hand, and these three times of going and praying and coming back, 
three times, saying the same thing to the Father, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. What was happening to him? He was getting stronger and stronger, and now he comes back to them. And you know, I don't really think that he was all that concerned about them sleeping. I think he was teaching them, saying to them, you know, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He's instructing them the things that happen in these times when you're under pressure and you're feeling confused. And I mean, he's been telling them for a week now, for a while, but for a week. He's been telling them all kinds of things that they're going, what the heck? I mean, you know, they don't want to say the wrong thing because last time Jesus, uh, Peter said something like that, he, Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. And so Peter's going, well, I'm going to keep my mouth shut this time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but can you imagine the confusion that's going on with them? What he's telling them at the Last Supper and the things that he said over that? Things that he's talking to them about. I mean, they, I mean, they, they are in kind of some real confusion and frustration. And they go, and he's gone for an hour. And, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, if, if you've never been there, it's a gorgeous place. And I could see somebody falling asleep. If I, if I sat under one of those olive trees and, and kicked my head back for a little while and the breeze is blowing over my face, whoo, man, I think I'd crash too. See, so I don't think he was all that concerned about that. It was what he was teaching them. Then he comes back to them the third time. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed. That's freaking him out. Into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And that's when what Judas had done and all of the Roman officials came, soldiers came, centurions and all those came, and they arrested him. And from that point on is the rest of what he went through. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. They took him through the Kindron Valley. It's right below the, it's right below the, the walls of Jerusalem, even to this present-day Jerusalem. And they took him down the Kindron Valley to Caiaphas' house and when you go to Caiaphas's house, the original dungeon that they put him in is still there. We stood in the bottom of that. It was something. It was something. And we read the scripture in Psalms that said he would be in that dungeon. We read the scripture. There's a, there's a pulpit down there with a big Bible opened, and the scripture is there. There's a church there. Everywhere anything happened in Israel today, there's a church there. And so this is a church where Caiaphas' house was, and that's where Peter denied him three times and where all the different things went on from there. And he went to the dungeon for overnight, and they came and got him, and they took him, and they took him down the Via Della Rosa. And the pain and the humiliation that he went through all the way to, the, to Golgotha, to the cross, and being exposed, the movies are polite. He had nothing on. And he had never done anything wrong. He would never made a mistake. He had never thought about himself other than in the garden thinking, wow, can I do this? You think about taking the sins, the sicknesses, the diseases, 
the oppression, everything evil in every person that ever lived or ever will live. You might have a little bit of a doubt. But the greatest act of submission came into, into manifestation when he said, not my will, but yours be done. The will of Jesus and the will of the fathers in that moment were different. But Jesus chose the fathers. Father so loved that he gave the best of heaven. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why Dan Weinheimer's in heaven today. Everybody say, heaven's my destination. It is your destination. That's where we're going. But while we're here, we're going to create an environment of heaven on earth because of believing God's word. Please, I'm just saying this to you. Please, no matter what goes on in your life, never allow yourself to back away from the word. No matter what. But meditate on what I talked about today. Meditate on the fact that everyone left him. He had the appearance. Isaiah prophesied he had the appearance. He had no descendants. And yet, after it was over with, he got us. <laughs> We're his descendants. Huh? He died for us. Think about all that he, the depths of everything that he paid for so that you could live and operate and act like him. So you could say at the end of your life, the devil has nothing in me, nothing on me. Why? Because I've chosen to do the word and be obedient to the word like Jesus was. And the only reason I could say something like that is because of his empowerment and what he paid for and what he did for me. And he's given me the Holy Ghost and he's given me the truth of his word and he's given me all of it so that I can live that way and overcome in every situation that I face wow just, just take your little palm leaf can you hand me mine <laughs> is there one there is there one there for me right Hosanna to the king. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the king. Blessed be the king. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.